All right, great. So we got David Perez on Never Burke again today, and David's going to share with us what skills he's learned so that if I went, Andrew went ahead and stole all of his money right now, just hacked him, stole everything, a Russian hacker over here, that uh, David would be able to use those skills to get him back to where he is and further. So, David, thanks for coming on. Um, Thank you. Tell us, like, what, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing now? So, um, actually, so I'm in the financial services industry, but primarily in the tax. And so what I do is I help uh, small business. Well, I can't even say that. I want to say small business. It'd probably be high net worth individuals who have a tax challenge, typically in owing taxes. They have a tax liability. Typically, I help these, these individuals solve that problem by finding ways or strategic ways to mitigate that through tax code, through deductions, credits, things that could really could really benefit them in the tax space so they don't have to pay taxes year over year. What's like the number one trick to What's get out of taxes? Uh, number one strategy that everybody will use at one point or time is probably depreciation, taking an, a large asset and then depreciating it, which means taking a deduction. Uh, depending on like the type of asset, the IRS will determine if it's a uh, you can do it in one year or over the course of time, but typically you want to do it in the first year. And uh, that's the most common, most common depreciable uh, form of tax deduction. Uh, how big is uh, your, you own an accounting firm or accounting franchise, David? So I have several businesses. I have an accounting uh, business. Well, it's more of like a tax strategy business. I would call it strategy because it's typically what they'll call tax planning. Um, but I have a unique approach because I come from the business world before taxes. So what that really came from, from for me is that I'm able to look at a client's financial snapshot and really understand it as opposed to, and, and as a disclaimer to the audience, I'm not a CPA. I didn't go to school for accounting. Um, so I'm not coming from a, hey, I, I, I went to all school for all this stuff. I actually had to learn all these things through running my own businesses. And I do have a franchise. Uh, well, I invested in a franchise called Liberty Tax. I own uh, seven locations. I'm a retail tax professional in that area. Uh, one of the largest franchisees in the, in the country. Uh, but that's just kind of one of our, our businesses. I really focus on the strategy because it's more important to me. It's where I can give the most value to people. With high net worth individuals, it's, it's really something that they're looking for. So whenever I meet with somebody, I'm able to, to really see where they're at because you know, you can hire a CPA to, to help you file your tax return, but 99% of the time, all they're trying to do is collect data and data entry and produce an outcome. It doesn't matter if the outcome is good or bad for the taxpayer. It's typically it's the outcome, right? And in my case, I actually look at the business. I can look at your profit and loss statement. I can look at your balance sheets. Um, I can look at the industry that you're in and I can actually tell you if you're really running on par with what we'll call profit margins or expense margins. And, and then I can really give you some strategy to save money in your business. So keep more money. And then what we can do is now find a way so you don't pay taxes on that money. Is there some industry that you specialize in that you're, you're an industry that you like to look at, like financial advisors or mortgages or, and you know what I'm, you know what I'm getting at? Like, yeah, I, I just like service-based. I, I like service-based businesses. Um, I, I mean, I would tell you, really, it doesn't matter be, to me in the service base because it's really looking for high net worth people. So people who typically would pay seventy thousand in taxes in an annual basis, and I, that, that's typically my niche. Anything above that, 
I'd like to be higher than that, but that's probably where we'll save, we'll start saving the most money. So if you have a taxable net tax of due of $70,000, that's typically where we'll start with you. Can you, can you tell us about a time someone was in a uh, little bit of a pickle and you're able to get them out of a bad situation? Yeah, actually. So we have a, a few clients. I, I can think of one that I really like because he's actually been one of my favorite clients to work with because uh, we met him about, I'd say about two and a half years ago and really started to see the explosive growth in his company. I mean, from the year, the year first year we met him, he was doing about 2 million in sales. The next year he went to 7 million. And then the, fo the following year, he was a little over 10. And this year, I think he's in tra trajectory to do 20 million. And when I met him, you know, one of his biggest burdens, which is most, most, most of us, so I went through this too, is when you start making money, especially in a short amount of time, you don't think about taxes. You just think about sales and you think about growth. You're thinking about scaling. Like I got to just keep going. And so when you get to the end of the year, it's like, uh, you know, shit, I'm fucked. I mean, it's hard to cuss, but this is really the truth. You're like, shit, I, IRS is going to kick me in, in the balls. And I'm like, man, you know, like that's, that's a scary feeling. And so when he came to us, I started to look at where he was and I realized that there were some tax advantages because of the type of business that he was in that he was totally missing out on. And his, he, he really, really was just not taking advantage of any depreciation. He wasn't really taking advantage of his home office. He was structured in different entities that were just totally wrong. He went to a CPA and a lawyer that had set him up in various entities and structured it all so that you know he could protect all his assets, but they were really not protecting his money. They were just protecting his assets, which is okay, but how do you, you want to protect your money at all costs? And so, but anyways, long story short, we restructured a few things, uh, found some hard assets to put him in, used some of the strategies that we knew, and we saved him about 200,000 in the first year we worked with him. And, and, and 200,000, and, and that's literally he got to keep. And that's, that's a huge number. Yeah. So our, our really is incentive based. So typically a client will give us Typically, I mean, 200,000 is a lot of money, but it's typically around 10% of what they'll pay. So either, so the way I like to think about it is either you write me a check or you write Uncle Sam a check, which one would you rather write, right? Like I'm going to benefit from it directly <laughs> and Uncle Sam's going to take your money and give it to somebody you don't want to give it to, right? So, so typically it's about 10%. Now that will get capped if, you know, we save somebody a million bucks. I mean, I'd love to take a hundred grand, but if it's not that much work, we're probably going to cap it at some point for them. That's interesting. So like, even if you could get more money, you'd say, listen, we didn't deserve this much. You'll say, hey, we'll take a lesser amount. Well, it, it just depends on the workload, right? Because some people actually come to us and, uh, you know, they're already structured really well and they just need a few tweaks. Right. And so I'm not I, I the way I like to think about things is I, I believe in value above all else. If if I believe personally that I deserve 100 grand from you, I'm going to take the 100 grand. <laughs> I, I really believe that. Now, now, if if I don't think I deserve it because I didn't do very much or we, our company didn't fulfill the end of the bargain, then we don't deserve it. Like that's a, a good a good uh, business person always thinks about the value that they drive to the marketplace. And if we don't drive value, we don't deserve to get paid. Like it's not about me; it's about the, the relationship. It's a and I like to think about lifetime value because if I take a hundred grand from you and you didn't think I did a lot of work, there's still very less likelihood you're coming back to me next year. And I, I want to lie. I'd rather get a hundred grand over the course of three years than in one, one bang. And then you never deal with me again. And you talk a bunch of crap. So this guy just takes money and doesn't even do shit. You know, <laughs> that's how I think. I, I like that. I like the lifetime value aspect. I feel like that's left out a lot 
in all industries. But uh, all right, tell us about David Perez. So wh- where are you? Are, you're in Texas, right? Or you? Yep, deep South Texas. So uh, so I'm a deep South Texas boy, born and raised. We're actually right on the Mexican border. If you were to look at the state of Texas, it kind of like peaks at the very southern peak of the state of Texas. We that's where I live. Uh, I've been here all my life. It's predominantly Hispanic, um, born and raised, if you will. Um, I haven't like. Uh, I had I thought about leaving here one year and a few years and I decided not to. I really enjoy where I live, good culture, good food, good good family. Um, I've been in multiple businesses over the course of my career. Uh, started in uh, if if you want me to go there, do you want me to share where I started? Yeah, sure. Be, go. Shoot. Might, might be might be real interesting to you. Um, okay. Well, well, actually, let me just kind of tell you guys where I where, where how I got where I'm at today, and then I'll tell you where the industries I started with, but. So I, w- I was born uh, in 1983, so I'm 38 years old. And in 1983, I was born when, you know, times were a little different then, right? Internet wasn't around. Uh, and you guys probably sound, you know, you kind of understand this. Is there's a lot of things that there was a lot of resources that weren't available. When I was born, I was born a little different. If you can't tell, I was born a little unique. Um, I was born with something called albinism. And so when I was born, uh, there was not a lot of research out there. There wasn't any Google that you could go to and find out what this kind of condition was. And so doctors really didn't know much other than to tell my parents that I was going to be something really special. And by special, they meant I was going to be special ed. So so for for the predominant portion of my childhood, I was actually treated as a as a disabled child. Like I rode a little bus and I was, uh, you know, told that I was going to be coddled and people protected me. Uh, I'm very sensitive to light into the sun. So they kept me inside all the time. You know, I wasn't allowed to go to the playground. I was, I was really kind of teased and, and, and picked on a lot because of the facts that I just looked different. And I was born into a Hispanic family and I was born into a Hispanic community. So everybody here is kind of brown and I'm not. So I was like the only little white kid running around, you know, at school. So there really wasn't white. <laughs> is that so genetic or is that, is that just like a one-off or is that genetic? It, Do you know, it, it is a genetic mutation and it, it happens. There's one in 20,000 people born today have albinism, one in 20,000. So, so it, I was just the lucky, the lucky one. Right. And so my, my parents raised me very well, but they were very protective of me. So all my life, all my family made sure I was really taken care of. And so for a lot of my life, I was, I was very sheltered and I was very timid and I was lacking confidence. And I just didn't know what I was going to do with my life because I was never really told that I could do anything because it was really, I was told that I was going to be taken care of. And up until my mid-teens, I kind of lived that way. Like I really lived in a world where I was really taken care of. My parents did everything for me. We didn't have money, but they didn't, you know, like they didn't let me do anything. I, I wasn't able to really go out and do a lot of things until my mid-teens where I finally just said, you know, I can't do this anymore. And I made a decision. And interesting, I, I wrote a book called Building Your Own Economy. And in the book, I talk about this one, this one kind of like epiphany that hit me, which was I came home from school one day in my early teens. And there was a guy sitting or two guys sitting in the, in the living room with my parents. And they asked me to sit down. And I said, hell's going on here like these guys were in suits by the way and I'm like nobody in suits comes to our house we're like we're like poor people right so it was weird and they tell me you know David uh you know where these guys are here to to ask you a few questions and so they asked me a few questions when they're done I'm like what's this all about and then they said well we're, we're getting you life insurance and I thought the hell do I need life insurance for like I'm a teenager like I'm not gonna die right like that's my belief statement and i think that's most people in a young age are like i don't need life insurance i'm not dying you know i'm like really far from this and so that stuck with me for a little bit and 2 weeks later they brought a policy it was issued to me and that was like how i understood it and I, 
And then all I could think of is like, why would my parents buy a life insurance policy on a young kid like me? And really what I believe they were trying to do and kind of what I got from it was they were just trying to make sure whoever kind of took me on, you know, because they thought I was going to be a damn dependent the rest of my life. If, they, if I ever died, somebody bear my ass, right? And that's what they were thinking. And so it was really a, a, like an epiphany for me. And it made me say, hey, like, I can't let anybody take care of me ever again. And from that day forward, I really made it an, an, a mission of mine to never allow anybody to take care of me again. And, and so I did. And so I decided to kind of get out there. And some of that became me, you know, getting into alcohol and smoking and doing stupid shit, right? Like that was me getting out there. Um, and I was still shy though. I was still very timid and I was still probably self-conscious about my appearance very much so. And, you know, I kind of grew up like that until my mid twenties or early twenties. When I went to, I went to a college that was a little farther away from home because I wanted to make sure I got out there and got to meet people and recreate myself. I don't know if you've ever been there, like where you try to recreate yourself. And so I had the opportunity to do that. And one of the things that always stuck out to me when I was doing this is that, everybody who I would encounter one time or another would always remember me. And it was an interesting thing because people would always say, Hey, David, how are you on campus? Or I'd meet a professor and they'd be like, Oh, you're David. And like, everybody just knew who the hell I was. And I was like, this is interesting to me. And so what happened over the course of my, like a short college career was that uh, I realized that the thing that I thought was holding me back the most, which was my appearance was the one thing that made me stand out the most. And nobody could ever forget me. It was interesting to me. And then I started very to realize. Very perceptive that you picked up on it, though. <laughs> but that's, that's awesome. It's like people who wear like, like Elvis glasses, you know, or, you know, they yeah. got, but you, you already had it. You got, you got your, your shtick. So you got it. You got to use it. And I was born, and, and so I realized to go with it. And so now, I mean, over the years, I've learned that attention is the number one currency that you can possess if you really want to grow in opportunities. And so I get a lot of attention because no matter where I go, what I do, people remember me. And it kind of sucks for me some days because I don't remember anybody. I feel bad because, I mean, I meet so many people that I just don't remember. But everybody's like, hey, David, how are you? Like, I literally walk into gas station down the street and everybody knows me. I go to the, you go to an event, they know me. If I travel and I'm in the airport, somebody stops me and they're like, David, what's up, man? Like, and I'm so, like, so my daughter, my daughter's friend has uh, the same, I don't albinism? even know. Like, yeah. Albinism. I don't even know. Like, but she reads at like, they're in fourth grade. The, the girl reads at like a 10th grade level. Like, I don't know <laughs> if it came with the albinism or something. Did you, did you notice that? Is there anything like that? You just kind of super excelled at or, or is that, you know, I, I was a horrible student. Um, I will tell you what I what I have what I did grab as a kid. I was very self aware at, at a very young age. I think it was part of being sheltered. Um, I will tell you that today's today's generation or any generation moving forward that is born with this condition has a lot more advantages. Meaning they like there's a lot more understanding of the of, of the condition and how it impacts vision and how it impacts the, the your skin conditions and all those things. Like when I was a kid, nobody knew any of that. They just said, put a bunch of sunscreen on and some big ass sunglasses. Like that was as much as they knew. Oh, and wear a big hat so you don't get sunburned. Like that literally is what the doctors told my parents. To Today, like there's so much information. There's even conferences. Like literally I go to conferences every two years with a bunch of other white people. It's pretty crazy. You just go into a room, 3,000 other people look like me. 
So, so you know, stand, like, I you mean, know, we're getting off track is crazy, but you know, it's, it's real. Do you, can you go in the sun or, or very limited or what is the, um, yeah, early the sun. I just wear like a light sunscreen most days, like uh, just a regular sunscreen. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't stay out in the sun all day if that's what you're asking, because I would burn. So I, and I know we're getting off topic, but this really relates to, you know, and the way I think about it is like business, right? You've got to adapt, you got to overcome, you got to put yourself in a position to be known. And like all of those things inherently came from where I came from. And that positioned me to go into business at one point, which is I, I got into a position to own a business with no money out of my pocket, which was a bar. And I got into the bar business because somebody saw something in me I didn't see, but I was stood out. I always stood out. And I realized that in a, in a very young age. And when I did that, I got a partnership and that partnership led to other businesses and then led me into the industry that I am today. And it all started with really just me understanding that if I stood out and I, you know, did my best and I was a hard worker, like life isn't that hard. I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's not that hard as long as you understand that there's there's, a, there's some formulas that you can figure out, but you have to go through this. You can't just, it's not like luck. It's like, you just have to see it. So yeah, I'm, I'm going back to this. They won't let her in the sun. They won't let her go to the beach and anything. Like, is that, are they wrong? Uh, I'll tell you that today's generation is even more coddled than mine. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but I would say that that's not even just about her having albinism. I bet you that's just overprotective parents. Like, okay. So she sense. can go to the beach. She can go in the sun. She 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 shouldn't stay in extended periods of time, but she can. Get an she umbrella, won't die. man. Just get an umbrella. They That's make right. they make the hoods. You can wear the hoods. That, I mean. So so I always. Oh, they cover her up good. They cover her up with the glasses and the hat and everything. Yeah yeah like, yeah. So I, I did I did that when I was a kid, and I I don't go. I'm not stupid right now. I won't just go lay in the sun like that. Would be stupid. I can't get a sunburn. I mean, I can't get a tan. So I'm just gonna burn. <laughs> like I'm not stupid. Uh, but but you know. Uh, I think that I think that I see more and more of this generational coddling than it was in our in our generation or mine. And so I would say that if they're doing that to her, I'm not saying that they're being bad parents. I would just say that they have to really see the impact on how 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 they see the world. Like everybody's gonna take care of you. And that's not how this world works, you know. The world is not here to take care of you. You're 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 supposed to go out and take care of yourself. How come parents are right. I'm gonna push them. I'm gonna push them to go to the beach then. How, hey man, how you can, you how can, come parents are getting softer nowadays? Hey, by the way, but you can actually connect me with them and I would love to talk to them. Okay, yeah. I will. Yeah, you can connect me with them. Now, how come parents are getting soft? I, I, I think it's this generational belief that we're supposed to make it easier for the next generation, right? Mm -hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't have kids, right? But you're there, like, there's this thought that you're supposed to make it easier when it's like, literally, it's the opposite. I mean, you're supposed to make them tougher. Because they don't want to go, if you don't want them to go through the stuff that you went through, they have to actually go through some of the stuff you went through. Like, and, and I see that every day and the, 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 the businesses I run, all, all my employees have kids. And, and I try my best whenever I encourage my team to be better supportive of their children. I'm like, hey guys, you got to teach them financial literacy. They got to learn how to save money. They got to learn how to invest money. They got to learn how to take care of themselves. They got to learn how to be independent. They got to learn how to stand out. Because these are the things that if they don't get early on, they're not going to get them as adults. Like you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? You can only teach kids that. And I think about that all the time. And I would have wished, I wish I would have seen more of the things that I know now. And as a kid, like, I wish I would have, and I think we all say that. Right. So, so you, how many people are at your seven branches? Um, right now we probably have a little over 50 staff in, in that business. Do you, do you want more or do you wish you were had less or are you looking to build out? Are you happy, content? Uh, 
I'm in I'm in a position in, in business today where I want less headaches. So I want less customers that pay me more money um, in anything that I do. Like I just want to, and, and that's not necessarily because I'm being greedy. It's more so I want to give people more attention. You know, I, I, I have conversations. I coach tax businesses right now. I had a conversation just yesterday afternoon with a tax business owner that says like, I just want to keep growing. They have 2000 clients and I want to have 2,500 this year. I said, well, that's great. Right. And I asked them what their average fee was. They gave me their fee. And I said, I think you don't charge enough. And they were like, well, we think we charge enough. I said, just add a hundred bucks and you only need a thousand and you got the same amount of money. You know, like, like you just add the hundred bucks to the current customers. Why do you want to waste your time going out and hunting people when you've already got a lot of customers who are willing to pay you? They just pay a little bit more. You give them more attention. You're diluting yourself. And so I, I don't want more. I don't want more employees. I don't want more anything. I really want less, but more money. If that makes sense. Yeah. One of Andrew's right. favorite questions to ask, I'm going to steal it from him, is what's your superpower, David, other than being very distinctive oh. and everyone knowing you? What's your, what would you say your second superpower is? I know what it is. It's, it's the ability to read people. I am, and I know that sounds like you can't even quantify that. Can you read Andrew right now? Tell us what Andrew's doing. <laughs> well, I can tell he's a stand-up guy. I can tell that he's got some uh, reservations maybe in something. Uh, he wants to ask questions that probably come to his mind. <laughs> but he's like, I don't know if it's the right time to ask that question. Um, but but I, don't know, I don't know enough about him. But I'm very good at reading people, at least inherently as character. So I can say, hey, this is a good guy. Like, you can tell you guys are good guys. Um, I can tell you don't have any underlying mo motives or any underlying, you know, agendas. I can see that through people very well. So when I hire people, I'm very good at it. When I interview people, I'm very good at it. When I, when I see people speak from stage or speak in a group setting, I can tell when they're lying, when they're not, or when they're genuine or when they're not. I can, I can kind of see conviction, if that makes do, sense. Do you always just follow that instinct no matter what? Yep. I'm very good if you're at wrong, it. Even if you're wrong, you're like, listen, I was wrong on this one, but, mo you know, 99 out of 100, I'm right. Well, well, I don't think I'm ever really wrong. And that sounds funny. But I think that maybe the person tried to show up as a different person that day. So if I didn't like them, or I thought something different, I would just if I saw them again, and I had a difference of opinion, it was really because they were not being genuine in their state. And, and that happens quite often when people are trying to impress people, or trying to show off or trying or nervous, right? That happens a lot. I, I actually have somebody just recently, who I met about maybe four or five months ago, maybe six months ago, and I really didn't like him. Like, I was just like, man, and everybody hyped this guy up for me. I met him and I was like, man, that guy is such a piece of crap. Like, I hate to say it like that, but it was really that way. And then about a month and a half ago, I met him again and he came off totally different to me. But it was only because in that instance, in the previous thing, I knew he was, he was disingenuous with, with his agenda. And it, it, in his genuine state, he's a really good guy. And I can tell, but I, but I feel those, con I can just feel it, feel it through people. It's one of those things. My wife tells me that all the time and I can actually see it all the time. Like I'm always reading people. Are they what honest? Happened? What happened to give you this superpower? Did like someone do you wrong? <laughs> that sounds funny, right? Who hurt you? <laughs> no, Who did you man, dirty, David? Who did you dirty? It, it, are you, you, have you seen Casper? Or not <laughs> Casper? Uh, what's the movie? The, the movie with powder, powder, powder. powder. I, I always that was one of my, my favorite movies growing up, man. I, I always joke. I got called Powder. I got Casper. I had uh, what, uh, Ghost. I had all these. I meant movies. Powder. No, not, no offense. I meant Powder, which is a badass movie. I know. I always joke with people on that stuff. So I'm good with it. But, here, but here's what I know is that when I, the reason I think I was gifted with this is because when I was young, I was really babied. 
And I had like this, this need to connect, like to understand why people were doing things. And so I started to read people at a young age. I started to understand things as a young age. And, and I, I was raised a bunch of, around a bunch of adults. So I think when you're a kid growing around a bunch of adults, you actually start picking up on some of this stuff pretty early. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you don't you don't listen to the I'm kids. I'm surprised speak. that they didn't the FBI didn't come uh, recruit you. That's <laughs> what they look for. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I don't think they want me on their team. <laughs> Not even but the they, they like people me. who understand body language. Uh, like, uh, what are you reading right now, David? What am I reading? Um, I just finished a book called Hook Point, um, uh, which is a really good book about how you create structure and offer that attracts attention. Um, I started a book recently. Actually, I just started it two days ago, and I, I'm, I'm not sure if it, I don't know how it correlates to anything I'm doing, but it's called The Rational Male. Um, and, and it's really about how men and women interact and how they, they build relationships, like the alpha and the beta. And, and I only started reading it because I watched the podcast, and the guy that wrote the book was just like really interesting. And I said, shit, I got to read this guy's book. So I started to read it, but I, you know. Add the way of the superior man by david dida if that's the genre you like it is uh pretty mind it's pretty mind-blowing it's actually like it's so they have like and i don't read romance novels or anything but there's some erotic shit in there <laughs> like, oh i don't know why i want to know that <laughs> yeah no i mean listen I, he's in like, texas andrew he can only do so much yeah but uh no it's really good it talks about the alpha male and and, and female and how to how to uh you know how how the uh, polarizations uh, attract each other, whether the, the female has the alpha component or the male and one exactly. has the other, uh, one has one and one has the other. And that's like, even in, in gay relationships, they, one is the female, one's the male. And, and, and it goes over a lot of things like that. A lot of things that you know of subconsciously, but he's putting into words. E- exactly. Well, I, I think it, I think a lot of this stuff correlates to business, right? Like everything that I read, I translate it into some business facility. Like I'm like, how does this, how does this work in business today? Alpha, beta, communication channels, like energy. I, I like to think about it this way because every, everywhere we're going, like we're really trying to, to sell, um, you know, ourselves, or we're trying to sell the ideas we're trying to push into the world. And the better that you have a understanding of the communication styles, the communication, um, we'll call it gender, you know, it's really interesting how you can get those things. And so that's what I read. Like I read things that really will get me better. I, yeah. I'm not a big reader of no, novels or any of that crap. Well, the, be- the better communicator we are, the better leader, right? That's right. And the better leader, then, then we can, the ma- things are more manageable. That's right. Yeah. Who can cl- clearly communicate the message easiest? Like who can explain something easiest and fastest is always the one who wins like in business. And so it's easy to get very caught up thinking technical, but if you could just get better at communicating very simply, it's easy. Keep it simple. That's right. right. Kiss. I'm, I'm going to pull a question out of, uh, you know, we'll wrap our, up our, here. Cause David's got to run. We're going to go to our, hang house. on, hang on. I got one more. What, I don't, what, I don't got to run. I got, I got, I got time. Okay, He's the boss. Well, keep rolling then. Would yeah, you yeah. like to be proudest of your accomplishments or your character? Um, I would say character because that drives straight to values. Character over One thing I find interesting is you run an accounting firm, but you're not a CPA. And it sounds like that you're better than a CPA. <laughs> sounds more I organized. I, I am because I don't, I don't really want to help you just file a return. It's not, that's, that's not a, that's not a good, 
that's not a good value proposition. It's just like, oh, so you have to file your taxes? Pay me two thousand dollars. Like, like that just that's just dumb to me. Like, I, I get so many people that I encounter on a daily basis through business that tell me, David, I hate the CPA I work for, I work with, and I'm like, why? Because he calls me, he just tells me how much I owe. I'm like, well, why? What else does he tell you? That's it. I said, have you ever asked if you could, if they could help you maybe strategize so you don't pay anymore? And they, yeah, yeah. You know, they always tell me, yeah, he tells me to make it, he tells me to make estimated payments throughout the year. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not a plan. That's just a plan. So you don't owe so much when you get to the end, but this is not a plan. And so I, I, I like that you said that, but the truth is, is just because I'm not taking a CPA approach, I'm taking an actual strategic approach to the tax code. And you don't, you don't need to be a CPA to understand the tax code. It's written for everyone to read. It's, it's not hard. Um, and most CPAs, they, they're just, I mean, they're over-glorified tax professionals. Most. There are some really good ones out there, by the way. But just most are just over-glorified, not even tax professionals, tax preparers. There you go. It's a better statement. <laughs> so you said you're in other businesses, right? Yeah. Are, are, I think you mentioned that. Are you? Yeah. Other- so I'm. I have several companies uh, that I manage or run. I guess you could say I have the tax franchise business. We have a, a DAP strategy is the strategy company we're just talking about. I have an insurance agency um, called Freedom Insurance. Now we do uh, business in all 50 states. Um, we have personal lines and commercial and then of course life health, all that stuff. And then I have a uh, mortgage company in the state of Texas called American Mortgage Loans. And we just spun off something like a marketing company just recently. It's nothing big yet, um, but uh, we, we have a big event coming up called Tax Growth Con. And, you know, I've seen the need for me to get better at marketing. So I started hiring people. I brought on some people that were really good in the marketing space. We're doing funnels and all this stuff. And so I thought, you know, let's just bring this into its own kind of capacity. So we opened this up and I've, I've serviced a few clients doing that stuff, but that's not really our goal, but it, it just made sense because we're already doing all the work. So I have several companies that those are the companies that I just kind of manage on a daily basis. Nice. Some cross-selling in there, obviously, which is huge for business. Correct. Correct. It, it does be, I, I like to think about business as synergy, right? And in any business that I open, it should feed something else. It should be able to connect the dots together. It can't be like, I just start selling cell phones or something like, how does that work? Right. So I like the accounting piece connected to the mortgages too, because people just, you know, especially self-employed just cannot get it right uh, to buy a house. They, they don't. And it's interesting because one of the approaches that the reason that we got into the mortgage business is literally because of that, because I would deal with, with, with business owners who would come to me and they would go to another CPA or they go somewhere else. They would come bring their tax returns and we would look at them year over year. And I say, what's your goal? Cause typically that's my, I, I, I see myself as kind of, it's kind of interesting, but I think like a doctor, right. And a doctor comes in or you meet with a doctor, a good doctor will do an interview, right. We'll ask you questions. We'll get deep with you and ask you what your goals are. And if you get that deep with a customer, then you know how to position them for future filings. And, and I say that because it's not about, manipulation it's like okay guys so you don't necessarily need to to purchase this equipment this year because we definitely need to show more income on your tax return you may have to pay a little more taxes right but at the end of the day your goal is to buy the next house or to buy your commercial building that you're in or you know to invest in xyz and if you're not showing income well then it's very impossible to go get financing right and nobody teaches that to anybody they don't understand that like you got to pay to play some days I'm not trying to get people to pay taxes. I'm just telling you, you got to pay to play. 
it's the system that we're we've built like it, it one of my favorite statements from when i got into business is those who know the rules rule and and that's why you look at guys out there who are super wealthy and they apparently don't they do pay taxes just not the tax rate we pay but they pay taxes but they understand how to leverage things so that they can go to the bank and borrow a billion dollars or whatever the number is and and there's no they don't have any reservations or any belief statements that would say otherwise because they've got somebody in their corner saying hey this is how you get there man and and so many business owners today they go to some cheap ass dumbass i hate to say it that just doesn't know anything up from down couldn't don't even know how to qualify for a mortgage because they don't even have one and and then they you know and they're like this guy's going to solve all my problems and i'm like they don't know anything i mean and then the the opposite of the spectrum is they go to a guy who's just so smart like super smart CPA attorney and everything, but he has no ambitions of saving your money other than just charging you a big ass fee because he's got credentialed up. And and I'm in the middle here saying like there's a there's a there's a different breed and that's me, you know. There's a different way to go at this. The value driven breed that's huge. I mean that's that's why self employed people succeed in my opinion, just proving value, and that can that can be forget forgotten for sure. You know, because there's such outsized returns that can be made uh, in the self-employed industry. But uh, so, what are some of the skills like uh, that? That well, David Perez is never going broke again. Yeah. What are those skills? Well, yeah. Well, I guess the self-awareness and the, and the uh, ability to read people. But is that going to make you money? No, 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 no. That's just going to keep me out of trouble. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, I think the number the number one thing I possess is the ability to sell. Like my sales skills are pretty, pretty spot on. Um, and that is intuitively connected to reading people. Like I know what to say it when I need to say it because I can read you well enough. Um, number two, my communication skills, like I can get in, in a big group, small group or individual setting and I can communicate very well. Uh, my ability to understand how people think through marketing is, is pretty strong. Like those three hooks, I think I could do any business very well. I don't, I don't think I'll ever be hungry. I don't think we'll ever be broke. I mean, I, and I, I didn't always think like this, like it's probably in the last 18 months I've said that I, you know, I told my wife, you know, we, we were sitting down at dinner once and I just said, look, I don't, we're never going to worry about money again. And what she looked at me. That just happened in the last 18 months. Yeah. Up till then, what were you thinking? Like waking up every morning, like I got to go kill. I got to go sell. I, I wake up like that no matter what. But what I meant by that 18 months ago was I think we built something big enough that it. Like it wasn't about this business or any of the businesses. It was like, I think we're building a movement. I think I built a brand strong enough that there's going to be opportunities coming at me in any way I got them. Like there's just never going to be a day where I'm going to be hungry. I mean, I'll wake up hungry, but I'm not going to be hungry anymore. And it's it, so it, it has in, in kind of manifested itself to me. Like every, I can't tell you guys, like every day there's somebody coming at me asking me how they can give me money. Um, I'll and, make you what? And, how they can give me money. Like, how can they work with me in, in exchange for some money? Like, I, I get this every day. Um, I, I hate to like, it's not about bragging. It's more like, I feel, I feel like I've driven enough free things to the world, enough value to the world that it is now coming back. Like I've worked really hard in one direction, pushing super hard, being a guy or a man of my word, always delivering. I never let people down. I, I do it with honesty, with integrity and a belief that the end result is to produce value for the world. Right. And, and I don't do it for the accomplishments. You asked me that I don't, I do it because it's, it's, it's just who I am. 
And in my book, I write about this because I think a legacy is something you should live towards. And it's something that you build as you grow. And I want a legacy not of just wealth. I want a legacy of values that people are instilled in the people that I worked with, that my family is surrounded by. So they can always say that guy like left an impact, left the world better than he found it. And every day I wake up like that and I just push hard. I push hard. I push harder than most people. Like people wouldn't even know how hard I push on a daily basis. Like, and, and I know that that's why it's just being attracted to me now. Like, I feel like I'm becoming a magnet stronger in every day. It's like getting stronger every day. It doesn't mean that yeah. I'm where I need to be, but I feel it every day. Do you have some sales lines you can share? Um, Do you have some go-to sales lines? I, I'm not, a, I'm not that kind of sales guy. I think my lines are always about, so one thing I believe is the better you become at sales is better because you become more convicted in your product idea. So if you have more conviction, you will sell anything like a, a parent who is very convicted and the love for their child can sell their child to anyone. And I don't mean like sell them in, a, in, in money, but my child's the best child. You don't understand. They're smart. They're amazing. They're the greatest. And it's because they have such a conviction. If they had that same conviction for their product or service that they work with, they would be very successful. So I don't have a sales line. I have conviction for my product and I won't sell anybody a product or service or anything that I offer that couldn't really benefit them. Like I can't do it. It's it's not it's 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 against conviction. Everything conviction selling is your next book. Yeah, <laughs> it's truth though. It's just truth. I, you, you I, I know. I, I, I get it. I understand it. But I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say it. We usually get a line or some tactics or something like that. But nah, uh, there, there's no. Lines, you're you're saying it's a belief. It's a belief. It, it is a belief because if you put me in front of somebody who I know can benefit from something that I have. I, I'm not I, I'm not a guy who's going to push on you and just be like one of those uh, just so hardcore closer. I'm going to get to the point where you tell me that I don't know, I might not think about this. And I'd say, well, what's there to think about? Right. And then they would tell me and I would just reiterate, hey, look, I don't believe you need to think about these things. These are things that you need to do. You're going to do it today. You're going to do it tomorrow, but you're eventually going to do it with me. Right. And, you know, I tell people that all the time and it always works. Like I always tell people this because it's not and some, sometimes I don't win, right? Sometimes people say that I don't, I'm not going to do it. That's, and I always tell them, that's fine. But when you come back, because you will come back to me, because I know my product can benefit you. When you do come back, it's going to be a lot more difficult to work with me because it's going to be more expensive. You may not even get in the door. Like, it's going to be different. Like, I tell people that all the time. Before I sell them, if I give you a price, like I'll sell a coaching program for 22000 right now. If I sell you the pro coaching program and you're like, that's a lot of money, come to me in 12 months and it'll be forty two. And come to me in another 12 months and it'll be 62. And they're like, I like it. I like it. I like this strategy. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Josh, can you wrap this up? Yeah, thanks for coming on, David. That's it. I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate thank you so you much, guys. Dave. I appreciate you guys and all the good work you're doing. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Josh must have gotten the uh, 